Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today, we're talking about Santa coming back, Zach and Elizabeth caught in a beanie bubble, and Letitia Wright is back to work, but M'Baku wants a raise. Plus, we share our thoughts on that Moon Knight trailer. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geeks. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the show for this week in geek, we've got the Jamba Juice of podcasting, Jayla. Yo, yo. How's it going? How are you juicing? You juicing oh, up? Oh, I'm juicing, bro. Oh, he's juicing. After juiced. shoveling three feet of snow, I'm juicing. Jeez. Well, Let's speaking of shoveling snow next to him, we've got Mr. Plow himself, Kevin Hudson. How you doing, buddy? That's my name. That name again is <laughs> Kevin Hudson. How's it going, guys? You, you've been covered in snow, it seems. Yes, Ontario is is in uh, record-breaking snowfall. Well, specifically Toronto, but yeah. you know, it was funny because we're north of the city uh, mm-hmm. where I am and wasn't as bad as it was downtown. Uh, yeah. in in Toronto. So wonder uh, wonder yeah. if they had to call the army in again to help clear some of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The rest of Canada laughed at us as we called in the army reserves to clear the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, I got home and uh my dad was like, "Oh, they're shutting down all of Toronto." I'm like, "I, I don't know about that. We're here we're here in Halifax and uh it's just mostly rain. What else is new?" Um but when you combine rain with an already heavy snowfall, uh, it's it's pretty scary uh, getting around here. So um, especially when there's literally no lights anywhere in the entire province. Uh, so <laughs> it was pretty dark. Uh, but, you know, to warm ourselves up, uh, I'm sure we enjoyed quite a bit of uh, maybe some TV, maybe some movies. Uh, why don't we get into Whatcha? Uh, Kevin, Whatcha? Uh, well, this weekend I took the time to check out the new television series Peacemaker starring John Cena. Yeah, dude, uh, did you couldn't? Did you even see him? I don't know if you could even see him on the show. It was, it was weird watching a show where the main character is invisible. Yes, <laughs> uh, and boy, I'm not tired of that joke after about ten years of it. <laughs> being the big wrestling fan, that what I did am. you think? Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I thought it had a really uh, cr- kooky sense of humor. Uh, far more adult than anything you're going to see on a Disney Plus show. That's for sure. So I, oh, I, for I, sure. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, no, it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. I think they've uh, done a good job over those first three episodes of setting up sort of who the characters are and who our big bad is going to be. Uh, I thought that was a, an interesting little uh, reveal towards the end of that third episode there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they have in store. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I've only seen the first episode and I feel like um, it's kind of setting, setting sort of the tone of the entire show, obviously, uh, as you do in a, a good first episode. And I, I just, it's interesting to sort of see how charming John Cena is, how charming the character of Peacemaker is, knowing sort of like who he, who he kind of really is, his roots especially, I think, help to really make him a little bit more of a character we can relate to, especially when you, when you, you know, it's not a spoiler to say we meet his dad in the series. Um, but I got to ask, you know, for, for you guys who've watched the, maybe the first three episodes, does it because it felt like it sort of was really heavy on obviously the character of Peacemaker um, and, and getting to see him. 
does it does it feel like they are going to give the other characters a little bit more time as well, a little bit more uh, spotlight? Um, or do you think it is going to be mostly just Cena being Cena the entire time? Uh, no, I do, I do think it's going to revolve heavily around that character. Um, but we do get to know a little bit more about uh, who the other characters are and get to see their personalities come out, especially... Um, uh, his his friend, this, the sidekick, I think it's Vigilante is his name. Um, oh, okay. He, he comes in a lot more in the next two episodes and is quite an interesting character. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, it's 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 something that I definitely want to check out. But Nate, as you were saying, like the whole success of, of Peacemaker from, from the Suicide Squad movie was that interest in his character and, and wanting mm-hmm. to learn more, especially from the choices that he makes in that movie um, and where we find him at the end of it. So... There was already that hook, and which is why I'm excited to check it out. Uh, but it does seem like they are advertising it as as you know, it's Peacemaker, but there is a cast of people, an right? ensemble. Continue- yes, yeah. because they're continuing the ensemble idea from Suicide Squad. I feel sure. like, right from the Suicide Squad. So, but I mean, it's really interesting, and I, I you know, I'm not going to spoil kind of who uh, it looks like. Maybe his sort of main sidekick um, will be um, with uh, Daniel uh, Brooks who plays uh, Leota. And, uh, you know, she's such a phenomenal uh, Mm -hmm. actress, such a phenomenal character actress. So it's going to be really cool to sort of see. I loved her in Orange is the New Black, I think is probably my favorite performance that she's ever done. Um, But even kind of seeing Steve Agee come back and uh, Jennifer Holland, who were, you know, you could tell there was more to them. Uh, For sure. in in the movie, but the organization uh, that, that yeah. Runs, yeah, and that they, runs I also the, Su- the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I was pretty blown away with how much they were able to make the recap of the Suicide Squad feel like it was an episode of TV. Like I understand that they cut it that way and they played music in the background that sort of made it seem, but it felt like I was watching. I'm like, is this a movie or is this stuff I hadn't seen yet? Like it I, felt. I, I've so never really seen uh, previously on quite like that, where it's literally <laughs> yeah. recapping a two and a half hour long movie. It was that was very interesting for sure. It was really cool, and you got to watch the intro, like the the opening uh, scene. Don't skip it. I mean, I don't think you can. I think James Gunn made a really big deal that like you can't even skip it on the on the app or anything like that. So. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm currently yeah. learning those dance moves. Uh, I'm going to put <laughs> on a production amazing. of it. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to to <laughs> see it. Um, Justin, how about yourself? Yeah, for myself, um, I got a chance to check out over the weekend um, a movie that was on uh, that was straight to Prime, The Tender Bar, directed by uh, George Clooney, starring uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Ty Sheridan, and Lily Rab. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Sorry if I mispronounced it. Um, mm. But it's it's based. Uh, the only reason I really wanted to see it is because it's George Clooney directing, and I like Ben Affleck. Right. And right. I thought it was, you know, and he's nominated for a SAG. And I was like, OK, if they're nominating him for a SAG and I think it's for this movie, then I'd like to see his performance. And I got to say, it was it was OK. Like the, the movie was OK. It's it's very heartfelt. It is very coming of age story. Um, mm. It is based on a best selling memoir, The Tender Bar, uh, which follows an aspiring writer played by uh, Ty Sheridan pursuing his his sort of uh, romantic and, and professional dreams uh from from a stool in his his uncle's bar, who's played by Ben Affleck, um, he he learns what it means to to, to grow up with a group of very diverse uh, crowd that he kind of rolls with in terms of age and and just influences. Um, I will say Christopher Lloyd's in this, 
Yeah. It was fantastic. And like they just, they didn't utilize him as much as they could have. Uh, it just felt very like subpar. Because I was going to say, I'm looking at the casting and I was like, yeah, Christopher Lloyd's there. If they're playing off the whole aspect of like the grandpa situation, <laughs> I'm like, is this going to be a tearjerker or as you say, a Nate jerker. You got to yeah. stop saying that. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but see, see, seeing Christopher one. Lloyd in it, like I, I'm like, oh, please tell me they but do the the really sad stuff with the grandpa. <laughs> it it well, sounds guys, like they kind of did I don't want to spoil it, but it, sure. it just, it, they, uh, everything was very underutilized with it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's not the only thing uh, directed by George Clooney that we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. Interestingly enough, but before we get to that... Um, for my uh, watcha, um, you know, I've I've definitely been jumping back into Gemstones, uh, the Righteous Gemstones season two. Uh, it is absolutely still fantastic. I think HBO does such a good job with their production value that they can give me even something that's really more of a, a comedic take. And I think a lot of other companies would fumble what they're doing with this story. Um, but they just do it to such a great degree where I'm laughing, but I'm also so intrigued at the same time. I have to say, uh, I had a, a bit of a, a, a streaming or an on-demand issue and went to go watch uh, the first couple episodes and uh, of season two and ended up watching episode two first. So needless to say, <laughs> we were really confused with where the characters yeah. were, what right. had happened. Are they going to explain this at some point? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot. So that was that was a bit disappointing. But uh, yeah. I will say, uh, even watching them in reverse order, yes, I think this season's off to a great start and uh, big things are going to happen, I think. There's oh, uh, it's some bombshells so there, yeah. So much fun. And then uh, for, for the thing that I really dug into, and it's, you know, we're... We're in that streaming culture where we can watch a whole season of a show between watches. But uh, I, I watched and finished season one of Yellow Jackets, which just wrapped. Uh, and, you know, I, I had a ton of people really kind of hyping this show up for me, saying it's it's basically Lost. And I, listen, I, I, it's definitely not the caliber of Lost, um, but I did really enjoy it. It's another mystery box show, plane crash, uh, scary stuff happening. But it's, it, you know, instead it's with a, an all-girls soccer team, which I was a little worried at first with their ages. I, th I felt like it could have really easily become sort of like a teen drama CW sort of style dialogue show, but the performances and the writing is, is are, they're just really, really, really good. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it, especially if you are a fan of Lost. Um, I don't think, you know, it's already been greenlit for a season two. I don't think it is going to um, be Lost, but it's going to scratch the itch for sure. Um, so I really think you guys need to check it out because I need to talk to you about the stuff that happens in it. And I really want to talk about mm -hmm. it because it is, again, one of those sort of uh, cooler moment uh, shows, right, where you pull your friend at work aside. And today at work, I literally was like asking every person I possibly could, like, please tell me you watch Yellow Jackets. And nobody has. So I have no one to talk to. Um, so I'm hoping you guys watch it. I will say, Nate, you got my hopes up there. You said, oh, I just dove into season one of Yellow, and I thought, come on, hit me with that stone. And no. Yellow stone. <laughs> you broke my heart. You broke my I heart. I mean, listen, I'll do a trade with you. If you can go through, if you can get through a season of, of Yellow Jackets, I feel like there's certain aspects about it that you might, I don't know if it's going to fully be your jam, but I, I, I would challenge anyone not to, to watch the first 30 seconds of episode one and not at least want to continue watching that episode because that is such an incredible way to open uh, the series. It's just really, really well done. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's it for, for Whatcha. Feels like we got really into those. So uh, let's move on to the news. 
It's all about the details. All right, this first story, Zach Galifianakis, Elizabeth Banks, Sarah Snook, and Geraldine Viswanathan, starring in The Beanie Bubble. This coming to us from James White of Empire Online, who writes... Mr. White. Uh, yeah, Mr. White uh, <laughs> writes, Beanie Babies were one of the great fads of the 1990s, especially across the pond. Um, I guess he's British, so like across the pond, as coll- I'm not going to do the accent, as collectors obsessed over sweet little fuzzy creatures. Price sword fights broke out over certain beanies and the whole subculture was born it's recently been chronicled in a documentary uh, which I've heard is really fantastic by the way is called beanie mania uh, but now a fictionalized film is on the way starring Zach Galifianakis Elizabeth Banks Sarah Snook and Geraldine Viswanathan uh, Kristen Gore adapted the script from the book uh, the great beanie baby bubble mass delusion and the dark side of cute uh, and will co-direct <laughs> the film alongside new Newcomer Damien Coulash. According to the producers, it pulls back the curtain on the absurdities and injustices of the American dream, particularly the female relationship to it. And it's a celebration of the women who helped bring power businessman Ty Warner's success, whose strengths and good instincts shaped and amplified the phenomenon, but whose names are not on the Beanie Baby's heart shaped tags. Uh, It's the first film to emerge from Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's new deal between Imagine Entertainment and Apple, so we could see it in cinemas, or it might end up going straight to Apple TV+. So guys, uh, first off, have you ever hit someone over a Beanie Baby? And more importantly, what do you think of this uh, this 90s nostalgic drama, Kevin? Uh, There was certainly no uh, violence in my experience (laughs) with uh, the the cuddly little stuffed animals, but uh, my family was definitely uh, all aboard that hype train. I remember, you know, even getting some good ones where you had the little plastic tag protectors that you you got to protect them, dude. You know, uh, we even had a couple in those in those boxes, those clear plastic boxes. So I'm, I'm not sure where any of them are, or if any of them were actually the few that you know survived to to maintain value, but. I always love, I, I've seen the image a lot, and it's, uh, this was divorce in the 90s, it says, and you see oh, yeah. the, the couple dividing them on the courtroom floor <laughs> over their divorce, you know, and so uh, if the movie sort of touches on just that level of absurdity, I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's got the opportunity to be comedic, but also I feel like, um, you know, I feel like these these this movie can has the ability to sort of explore maybe some of the the darker sides of it as well like i think we all love the the toys that made us i'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of that series and so but when you watch those that docu series you're getting sort of the warm fuzzies after each episode of remembering the the and learning about the things that you grew up with but i feel like this is going to maybe almost change people's perception of the company itself and i think it's going to really hit different and i'm sure. i'm just hoping like i feel like Zach Galifianakis is probably going to be Ty Warner i think um yeah. i didn't even know the Ty, T-Y, I just thought it was the T-Y symbol. I didn't know it was based off of that guy's name. So I think it'll be it'll do a really good job to maybe educate people, not only on, you know, making that more than just a tag, but also showing people, well, it's actually not really because of that guy. It's actually to do with these, these uh, it sounds like powerful women that actually elevated and were responsible for Beanie Babies. Did you guys ever see that movie Bombshells? 
Uh, it stars Charlize Theron, uh, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman as well. Yeah, yeah, really um, terrific movie. Yeah, it was fantastic, right? And uh, it definitely has a very explicit message. There, there's a seriousness to that in, in empowering the women, mm-hmm. right, in that movie that you take and you bring that into this movie. Plus, you add, like, that Adam McKay flair, and you have the perfect formula here to tell this story with Zach Galifianakis being Ty Warner and these these other characters rounding it out in a more genuinely... Uh, honest way of how the story would be told. But I think it's an interesting story to be told because even for us as collectors, we recognize that those things were huge fads and huge collectibles that bombed. And people constantly compare Beanie Babies to Funkos. And we're so invested in Funkos. And even just adding in the relevancy of NFTs right now and how these are become the new collectibles, there's there's such a relevancy to seeing this story unfold and who was really behind it and the profit that others make off of people's collections so well and i'm you know obviously we're all big collectors we're all huge funko pop people as well and yeah man like when i was a kid beanie babies were, were were the shit right like i remember always being so stoked to go into the store go to the the store in the mall where it always smelled like scented candles and they sold gift cards to make sure i picked up maybe one maybe two per trip um, but yeah, no, thankfully no one ever got hit or, or punched or anything like that while I was trying to get Beanie Babies. But yeah, man, like the bears and stuff like that are huge. I still have the, the acrylic boxes that they, they're sitting in, in the, in the storage shed somewhere. But, um, you know, I know that, uh, it, you know, obviously they, they didn't hold their value. So it is going to be really interesting to sort of see. I would love to see Ty Warner. I mean, it is a fictionalized story, so I don't know how exact they're going to go with it, but. I just think it would be sick if Zach Galifianakis ended up working at one of those scented candle stores <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> movie and has to deal with some little kid like buying them. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm a huge and, and the kid's like, shut up, mister. And like, just I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of little kids, maybe not behaving when they should be. They better be behaving because Tim Allen is bringing the Santa Claus franchise back, uh, but not how you'd expect. Uh, This in a write-up from Mike Reyes over at Cineblend. Uh, Tis the season to bring back old favorites, especially if you're one of the elves hard at work over at Disney+. Hot on the heels on the announcement uh, that cult classic Real Steel, I didn't realize that was a cult classic, um, is being developed for a streaming series return. It looks like Tim Allen is bringing the Santa Claus franchise for that same platform. However, uh, the new project isn't exactly what you'd expect for such an announcement. Rather than continue with a cinematic outing, like Disney is currently doing with Hocus Pocus 2, this chapter in another beloved holiday franchise is going to be a limited series. Uh, Recently announced by Disney Plus, The Santa Claus, which is the working title for Alan's return both to TV and the character of Scott Calvin, uh, with the goal to start production this month, uh, sorry, this March, this new adventure is going to be about a pivotal moment in the current Santa's career, according to the official synopsis. The synopsis is as follows. Scott Calvin is on the brink of his 65th birthday, which is Tim Allen 65? Like, is that accurate? Holy crap, I've just always thought he was like 50. Um, And realizing that he can't be Santa forever. He's starting to lose a step in his Santa duties. And more importantly, he's got a family who could benefit from a life in the normal world, especially his two kids who have grown up at the pole uh, with a lot of elves, children, and family to please. Scott sets out to find a suitable replacement for Santa while preparing his family for a new adventure in the life of... Uh, in the life south of the pole. Sorry, that's 
a hard last sec- sentence Growing to read. Growing up at the pole well, pole sounds twice. like you're, you're at the strip club <laughs> or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> the pole. Growing pole up at twice the pole. in the synopsis is just an awful idea. Growing south of the pole. Uh, working alongside Alan behind the scenes is executive producer, showrunner, Jack Burdett, uh, who is the sitcom veteran who's worked on Frasier, 30 Rock, and Modern Family. And when you have okay. a blend of those... That, okay. if anything, makes me Sounds a little bit more intrigued yeah, <laughs> yeah, than, yeah. than the Santa Claus. Um, so, guys, my biggest question with all of this, though, wasn't – I thought Tim Allen was canceled. He's no longer playing the role of Buzz Lightyear. Do you think Disney has looked past his political views, and are you excited to see the return of this character? Um, I didn't know anything about his – canceling could you okay what was that about yeah well so he's he's come out a few times uh kind of being a lot more pro-trump than i think disney would like him to uh and so when they when they you know obviously announced pixar's uh light year and chris evans kind of being a part of it there was a, a lot of sort of you know a lot of people digging as to why and uh it seems that that was why um i think it's it's interesting though because like i think there's really no way to continue this IP without him. Uh, it would seem it would seem really really weird. Um, it does seem like they want to continue the IP and have this sort of be a send off for him. It seems like right, like he's gonna yeah, find the next so, yeah. Santa yeah. Claus. So maybe that's how they're sort of okay with it. Um, I, I I again I say what you will about his political views. I personally like I don't have a problem with Tim Allen necessarily <laughs> as a person, but he's. Um, you need him to be Santa Claus. Like, you just, you can't. Yeah. I think the franchise is obviously a huge success. So it's like, mm-hmm. you can't really tell that story. You could try to and try to reinvent it and say, okay, well, let's distance ourselves. But to your point, whatever he said couldn't have been that bad. Right. That they wouldn't have wanted to work with him. And I think it actually is a smarter choice to cast Chris Evans rather than Tim Allen because you're giving a new new dimension to a character that is not the part of the toy storyline right it's it's part of a new story so sure chris evans makes sense but that being said yeah santa claus you 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 would have to do it i watched them both uh this past holiday season just for shits and giggles and honestly one is still actually is is very nostalgic when you rewatch it but man Mm -hmm. number two is awful like number yeah. two is probably the worst example of a movie period. <laughs> well, I find it funny that you only mentioned two of them because there is a third. Oh, there is a third one. There is a third one that I did not watch. I did not make it to. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean that, that was, one had Martin that was Short, right? Really, yeah, it's yeah, Jack Frost or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, if if doing it in a TV format means they're uh, straying away from that terrible movie format, I think it's definitely a positive. But I still think it's just going to be a Disney Plus show. You know, it's not. There's no real chance to sort of branch out and, and take a different spin with it. Ah. With it being on Disney Plus, I, th- I think we're going to get a lot of the same old with that. I feel like it's going to be another situation uh, similar to like Home Sweet Home Alone, where I feel like this franchise and this character is better left in our memories than than with whatever they're going to do going forward. I just I I don't know if we need another reboot cool i agree but i I guess the only thing is is that you know the credentials of who he has working with him that's worked on you know frazier yeah you know modern family and what was the other one um 30 rock 30 rock Rock, yeah yeah right Mm -hmm. like i think that's like that's some good writing credit it it, it does really come down to will they what 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 is the story that they're going to try to tell but yeah, I mean, listen. If it's filmed kind of like a like an office or a Thirty Rock style, like 
I might, I might be again more intrigued by that aspect Modern of family it. Family style, yeah. Right? And then, then it has like a Frasier has a Frasier esque sort of comedy to it, yeah. like where it's like very, you know, corny and like very holiday puns and like you know, right. I don't know, toss salad just... and scrambled eggs, <laughs> something like that. If they get Tim Allen just in, in you know, Kelsey Grammer's in it, jazz. yeah. If Kelsey Grammer's in it. Dude, that well, would there's be there's a guy uh, who's been canceled by Hollywood oh, shoot. for his oh, political shoot. views more so oh, than Tim shoot. Allen. And like <laughs> I think that's the just really quick before we we continue here because I think the the next story might sort of bring this up a little bit as well, but like the idea of sort of um you know, we saw it with Gina Carano uh earlier with uh with The Mandalorian and and then her series uh, I mean we assume it was her series uh with like The Rangers of the New Republic or whatever. Um you know she's she's been canceled. I I just feel like it's like is it a certain number of posts on Twitter that equal Disney no longer <laughs> wanting to work with you? Like is that how that works? Um, it really does depend on on how people go about doing it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, kind of addressing their own opinions and views, right? Yeah, I mean it's I think it's you know what I think you can account it to working for any big company, right? If you've ever worked for a big company, you've all you know anyone who's done so, uh, myself included, like you've had you have to you have to sign the fact that like. You're representing the company when you speak. And so if especially if they're in the middle of a big project, if they're in the middle of making a new movie that's being uh, put out there and, and marketing is working on that, if, if you're damaging their IP, sometimes they care more about that than even the moral implications of what you're saying. So right. I, you know, I feel like there, there is an aspect to that as well. But um, I mean, speaking of, of sort of someone who, again, who's sort of been in the news yeah. for, for saying certain things, uh, let's move on to our next story here. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever to resume filming next week with Letitia Wright. This story brought to us by Boris Kitt and Aaron Couch of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, eyes were on Wright, uh, a British citizen, because she had expressed anti-COVID vaccine sentiments. Uh, the CDC late last year implemented rules requiring all non-immigrant, non-citizen air travelers to the U.S. to be fully vaccinated and provide proof of vaccination status before boarding a plane. While not commenting on her vaccinated status, several sources say those issues uh, have been resolved. Uh, Wright's agent also did not comment, uh, only telling The Hollywood Reporter she always intended to return, but just needed to wait until she had fully recovered. She was injured uh, on set um, as well. That's not in the story. I'm just kind of bringing that up. Now, separately, this is another interesting wrinkle. Uh, Sources say Winston Duke, who plays M'Baku, negotiated a hefty raise for his return to Black Panther due to what is being described as an expanded role in the Panther mythos. Uh, What that expansion looks like is unclear, and Marvel had no comment. Insiders say the restart is not expected to impact the movie's release date, which is currently November 11th, 2022. Uh, It had already been moved once before from July 8th, 2022. Uh, So despite what you might think of her, it seems Shuri is taking the reins. Um, but I wanted to also call out that that comment, guys. Winston Duke as Mbaku. Do you guys think, it, does this mean that he's more of a, a main character, or are we seeing a shift with maybe Disney eyeing him as the next leader of Wakanda? Justin? I think it's eyeing them both, but yeah. to take Black Panther as a franchise in two different directions, Ooh. right? I think it's the idea of understanding that with the loss of Chadwick, meaning the loss of T'Challa, there's an openness to how they're going to address you know, what happens to his character. Um, and, and that's yet to be seen. And, and obviously in, in this movie, that will be addressed. But they're going to find a way to continue what T'Challa stood for and what Wakanda means. 
and move Wakanda forward in yeah. in movies and series with these characters. I like that. I mean, I I, I wasn't the hugest fan of, of Black Panther, but uh, I certainly did like the M'Baku character. And so to get more of Winston Duke is, is always a good thing in that role. I thought he was great. So uh, I'm all for and I And that was kind of my assumption as to where they might take things w- with the passing of Chadwick. And so I'm, I'm certainly on board for that. Yeah, I'm I you know, similar sentiments though on on Letitia's part. Like, you know, I've 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 enjoyed her work in the past and her I mean, like just her as Shuri is just such a fan favorite. So, you know, it's always disappointing when you when you do sort of hear of some of these complications. And the thing is, look, I'm I, I'm not gonna say that I understand and fully know where she stands on her views on COVID and her stands on vaccinations. But again, I think it really just comes down to you know, people to sort of see this happen and then all of a sudden they just say, well, that character no longer exists in this universe. It just, it sucks because it's such a a shame because the character of Shuri herself is so phenomenal. And so it's like, I think... I think regardless, it's it, we need to sort of find a way to to separate those things in, in Hollywood um, because there's a lot of people that work really hard on these projects. And so when one of them is being a, a dick, basically, or, or awful, it's it sucks because then all of a sudden everyone else just sort of goes, okay, well, I'm not going to see that movie because I don't want to support that person. But you're not supporting so many other people. And it's just, I don't know. I know it's a bit of a rant coming from me here, but I just think it, it kind of sucks. No, I, get, I, I really get, do love Shuri. You don't want Shuri. them to Gina Carraro her, right? Like exactly. It's, yeah. And it's they like, don't, you don't want them to be like, oh, well, she's, she's obviously way too opinionated about this. We don't want to promote that. So yeah. get rid of her. I feel like, I, I think with Gina Carraro, it was a different thing though. Because mm-hmm. I think that character was was just slowly already spinning off, yeah. Right, like that's that's she was at the beginning of that, and then things went south. And I think they were like, let's just remove, cut all ties here, and and just abandon ship. Uh, but I think with a character like Shuri, to your point, they may actually recast her. They would do that. Whatever. And to your point, if if Winston Duke is going to be a more prevalent player, like it's very possible we could be seeing the seeds of sort of a safety net in that situation where they say, okay, well, look, people also really liked Mbaku, so why don't we just put both of them at the forefront or closer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's yeah, they've got the blanket out. They're they're just in case something needs to go down. Um, they have the ability to do that. So it's going to be really interesting, regardless. I think of how the movie turns out. I think Ryan Coogler is so freaking incredible. I I hope he's incredible enough to deal with all these rewrites and obviously it's these production halts. Man. It's yeah. it just seems so tricky. So uh, hopefully we do find out. I don't know if that is going to be a movie we see this year based on everything that's already going on with it. It might get pushed. It's so close to 2023, anyways. So um, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, that is it for the news. Speaking about movies that uh, we have to wait and see uh, how they turn out. Uh, let's get into trailer time. It's trailer time. <laughs> Okay, guys, so this first trailer, <laughs> I'm laughing just literally looking at the, the title of it. Um, it's tough to say with a straight face, but, uh, you know, this was a trailer that actually came out, uh, it seems like a month ago now at this point, but we just really haven't got a chance to talk about it. And it's been kind of a slower week with trailers anyways, so I just was like, we have to talk about this. Um, the unbearable weight of massive 
talent. If you haven't seen this already, uh, this is directed by Tom Gormican. Um, and the description reads as so, a, a cash-strapped Nicolas Cage, yes, the character is Nicolas Cage, uh, agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party, but is really an informant for the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. It's like, what? <laughs> like, who wrote this? Um, Pedro Pas- It's starring Pedro Pascal as that kingpin, uh, Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, and of course, Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. Uh, the release date is April 2022. <laughs> Guys, what did you think of this trailer I, for I like, The Unbearable I, Weight of Massive Talent? It looks hilarious. It looks like his version yeah. of being John Malkovich. Right. Oh, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. Like, you know, just very character study and in vain of of the kind of character that he wants to be perceived as. Do you know what I mean? Well, he's he's like having fun with it. You see him like at the end of that trailer, you just see him crying. And I'm just like, it's he might as well just say not the bees. Like, like, it's so <laughs> I love to see that he's he's really having fun with it. Like, he's really just sort of in, in, engaging in that aspect. And he knows what he knows who he is. And he knows the stupid choices that he's made in terms of the films that he's worked on. And to see him just have fun with it. I think it's just it makes be so much more excited for this oh yeah this is this is this looks like nick cage nick caging at a nick cage level of nick caging you know it's just yeah. like intense nick cagery yeah. and i am all for that every day of the week i mean the guy has just become just such an entity and a, and a, almost a caricature of himself at this point why not celebrate it jump right in and just sort of have fun with it yeah, I think it's like again, it's it's sort of like a, even like a Chuck Norris. Yeah, he's 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 built a, an image around just Nick Cage. Um, so I like I like this play with the sort of meta. There's a very physical element to it of knowing who Nick Cage is, and also seeing these characters played by actors that we know are not obviously these characters, like Pedro Pascal. Sure, but he's showing yeah, yeah, yeah. him his his sculpture <laughs> of of him in face off. <laughs> Dude, and I love, I love that I love that Pedro Pascal is in this because I feel like he's, you know, we saw him have the opportunity to be both sort of serious and scary, but also silly in Wonder Woman two. He was one of my, he was probably my favorite part of Wonder Woman two, and so Agreed. I feel like he's yeah. kind of the perfect blend of someone who can pull off the, like the serious evil mobster, cut your tongue out kind of guy one second, but then your best friend at the second, you know, in the second second, and like it just makes so much sense that this is revolving around a Tarantino movie. Because it seems like that's going to be like our hint at the structure of the movie, right? Like it's going to sort of be very sort of slow and character driven all the way up until the end. And then it's just going to go off. Like it's just going to go crazy. <laughs> and we're going to see Nick Cage like covered in blood at some point, And it's going to get super violent. And I'm just so excited for it. I, it's funny. I messaged the, our our chat group and I was like, I need a, a list of Nick Cage movies to marathon before seeing this movie. And I was really shocked at how many movies I need to watch before because he's just so many. There's so yeah. many iconic. Did you put The Rock in movies. your list, Kev? On that, on that, on that list I, that you gave? The Rock's got to be in that list. Yeah. yeah, The Rock has to be there, right? <laughs> I said Snake Eyes. The one that I I thought okay. you missed was Snake Eyes. Those are the ones. Snake to Eyes check is, out. is ridiculous. Like that's I found when I watched that I was like, Yo, Nick Cage is nuts. Yeah. Well, and so I think I think the coolest thing about this movie is it really has the opportunity to be the 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 movie that wraps a movie marathon like that like when it's safe to get back together i'm serious guys if we want to do like a birthday outdoor screening you know in the summertime on a projector of all of these nick cage movies and finish with the unbearable weight of massive talent like it just sounds like such a 
phenomenal evening. I don't know, man. Excellent. We'll have Nick Cage themed foods for sure. Right? It sounds like it would be more than an evening. It'd probably be two days. Be a weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it would have to be like a weekend. You have to get like an Airbnb. Yeah, and we have costumes. Everyone dresses up as as different Nick Cage characters. Like that's perfect, dude. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That's a great idea. (laughs) And then food. We could have, yeah, we could have like themed food. We could have Nick Cage like burgers or something. Speaking of burgers... Uh, this next trailer. Nice <laughs> for hey, thank Love you, it. thank you. I had to flip the the gr- the one on the grill there. Okay, that didn't work as well. Uh, Bob's Burgers, the movie, uh, directed by Lauren Burchard, uh, who's the showrunner, and Bernard Derryman. Um, the description goes: The Belchers trying to save the restaurant from closing as a sinkhole forms in front of it, while the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their families. Restaurant. This is starring H. John Benjamin, Christian Shaw, uh, Dan Mintz, John Roberts, Eugene Merman, Larry Murphy, Zach Galifianakis, and Kevin Klein. Uh, this movie was pushed back significantly, but is found a release date of May twenty seventh of this year. Uh, what did you guys think of this uh, this interesting <laughs> trailer? Looked like a trailer for an episode, right? Yes, and that's my that's how I feel about it as well. I'm kind of like, is this just going to be a long? episode well isn't that what the simpsons movie was yeah right, right? like at the same time right but i, I, mean, I feel don't like mention bob's burger in the same breath as the simpsons i mean this just seems like the most unnecessary cartoon movie to go to the big screens if they want to do something for a streaming purpose that's one thing this does not yeah. feel sure. like a, a television show worthy of a theatrical release I'm, I'm sure it's got a lot of fans and everything but i'm certainly not one of them and so this did nothing for me yeah i mean yeah. i i like don't get me wrong. I, I do really enjoy Bob's Burgers. I enjoy too, yeah. a lot of those characters. I enjoy the fact that like mo- like the, f- the female characters are all voiced by dudes. And like it's just really it's it's really um, I think it's a series that once you really sort of fall into it, you can just start to fall in love with with the characters. And they do have moments yeah. where they're they're actually kind of sentimental and sweet at yeah. times, unlike yeah. some of the other sort of animated shows that we might have watched where we don't really get that as much. But th- huh. you're right. Like this doesn't need to be. A full movie like I it's that description sounds like an episode of the show and so it's like what are they gonna do and that's different and this trailer didn't really show that um the only thing I'm I was stoked and kind of got a chuckle from me was the sexy burger aspect where she's like just let out the crotch but it's you know what you know what's funny is because when I watched when I watched the Simpson movie I Mm -hmm. noticed it looked and felt like a movie like it right. felt more cinematic if yeah the right. angles were different right exactly they, they shot it they yeah, did and they way. shot it with like a little bit of a crop and, right. and stuff like that and um i feel like that's the the you know the movie aspect that will translate here is is how it's viewed as a as a theater experience like bob's burgers has a lot of musical numbers right like yeah. they do they're known for doing musical numbers yeah. and stuff like that so and I think it's Lauren Bouchard. I know does has a show, a show that I believe is also on Disney Plus. That is uh, the Great North. I think it is, uh, and it also feels very Bob's Burger esque. Like it w- lives in that world, yeah. Uh, because it is, it is about a family. It's very quirky. Uh, you talking about Central in- Central Park? No, no. You're talking no. about the Great North. It's got like, oh, okay, the same okay. the same aesthetics and everything yep. like that. Well, it sounds. It, yeah. It's funny that you. <laughs> it does sound no, so much then, like you are no, talking no, about Central and that's Park where I was well. getting to. So yeah. it sounds like that, and then you also have Central Park, yeah, where that was 
like actually well received on on Apple TV. So I get why they're giving him the ability to tell this story on the big screen, but I don't know if we need it. Right? I'm still trying to get over the fact that Nate called Kristen Shaw a dude. Oh no, I meant most of the characters. You said all, so I'm sure, sure, them. yeah, yeah. Um, and for our last trailer, uh, we literally actually just pause the recording of the podcast to watch it so this is as fresh a take as we can give you um directed by uh justin benson muhammad diab and aaron moorhead with one episode being directed by george clooney according to imdb uh we just watched the trailer for moon Knight. Um, the description reads, a former U.S. Marine struggling with disassociative identity, identity disorder uh, is granted the powers of an Egyptian moon god. Uh, but he soon finds out that these newfound powers can be both a blessing and a curse to his troubled life. This show stars Oscar Isaac, May Kalamoy, uh, Gaspard Uliel, and Ethan Hawke with a rumored March 30th. I don't think we got the actual release date on that. On we did. It is March 30th. Yes. March 30th uh, release date. Watched it twice. You didn't see I it? I didn't watch that part. I didn't You're watch like, that blank. part. I was, I, well, I was literally, I was probably more distracted by the fact that he freaking flies through the air and that becomes the Disney Plus logo. Like, let's freaking go, dude. This show looks so cool. I'm so stoked. And I, I think the fact that it is Oscar Isaac is probably the best part of this show for me seeing this trailer 100 percent for me too but like i'm also thinking like where is this show going you know because i feel like this trailer pretty like lays it out pretty clearly how they're going to tie things together uh to what we've already seen in the mcu just ethan hawks you have chaos you know embrace yeah. the chaos right like we now know that that is a word that describes you know wanda's powers and yep. what she is now consumed with and then coming off of eternals we have you know uh, Dane Whitman's The Black Knight being yep. introduced and Blade being there, who's in London. Like they're they're just introducing so many mythical uh lore elements into the MCU now. And it all kind of really started with Wanda and the Darkhold. It's interesting to see where they're gonna go with Moon Knight and how Moon Knight plays into that. Totally. And I think I you know it's it's going to be really cool to sort of see him play these different characters. I think there was a lot of speculation off the initial footage we saw that he was the the British cabbie at one point, but then he was this Mark guy in another point. And it looks like they're really going to follow through with that. And I, I think it's kind of cool because I, I love the idea that we could be following maybe a character and maybe as an audience, you know, if he does have multiple characters that have, you know, either U.S. accents or, or English accents, like it'll be really cool to sort of see how they play with that. Cause I love the idea of sort of watching an entire episode and sort of being like, wait, where, which one are we with right now? And I, I think it's a super, like it's such a, a, a unique um, sort of idea that they can really pull through where we get to be just as lost and confused as, as he does. Um, and I, I'm so stoked. There was obviously a lot of theories as well about that uh, museum that he's in in this trailer is the same museum that we see in uh, Eternals. Um, so if that's how they're bringing it in. And then, dude, can, just really quick, the music, like day and night, like the epic version of that Kid Cutie song, because like it's so freaking sick 
And Justin, just before we started recording, you were joking. <laughs> what were you saying? Was, was... I was like, Dane Knight. It sounds like he's saying Dane Knight. Dane no, Okay, yeah. That's exactly Dane what they're going for. The Black Knight. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I think I think we could see Blade show up at the end of this, right? <laughs> and, that, and that's why. That's the reason why. Because he's Kevin, pulling them you, all together. He's what like, did you I think mean, of I, this, I uh... do think this looks like the first real plunge Marvel is going to take into a more horror aspect or horror realm you know awesome. it's been mm-hmm. they've been talking about it for a while and i think that you know with with uh, the multiverse of madness and then the properties you're talking about justin like blade they lend themselves to be a bit darker a bit scarier and this really looks like that one scene in the elevator there is oh that was gosh. spooky so if we get a lot of those elements thrown in here you know like almost nightmarish it's it's going to be a very big departure from a lot of the disney plus shows we've seen so far from marvel and I love I love the cinematography. I love the way they can capture these moments and use reflections. I think, you know, we talked about that being one of our favorite parts of Last Night in Soho was mm-hmm. the aspect of them using reflections to tell a story while watching the main character as well. And I think that's such a really cool idea that we could literally get a moment where we see all of these, uh, you know, sort of different identities meeting. Um, and I think that would be really, really intriguing and, and really cool. And I think, you know, if you had any other actor in there, it would be I think it'd be tough to pull off. I think Oscar Isaac is such a perfect choice for this role. And I'm excited because, I mean, I'm not familiar with Moon Knight at all. So the closest parallel I can draw is Batman. And so if this is Marvel's Batman, like we see him doing the Batman style beatdown. Ethan Hawke is it feels like it's going to be his Alfred. Like I'm I'm so I'm just so amped for this. Like I'm, I, I can barely. Well, speaking myself. of Batman, I can't believe yeah. we're getting nipples Batman in the uh, Marvel MCU, essentially with George Clooney directing an episode. That's <laughs> very, very cool. And but, I mean that that could be part of some of that inspiration. I don't know. Maybe he's going to bring some element of his understanding of of what he did on Batman to uh, <laughs> to this. Maybe I hopefully really not. Hope not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not nipples. I'm just so amped, dude. I'm I'm so excited for this, and the costume looks absolutely stellar uh, I, I agree the costume looks awesome i just really hope they uh they really play into the aspect of uh, ancient egypt i always that's one of my favorite sort of themes to explore and so i do hope we get to dive fairly deep into that as i think uh again very different and, and something fresh for for the mcu well, I mean, he's technically already played a character in ancient Egypt in Marvel. Let's never speak of that again. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we we don't ever have to deal with apocalypse uh, again. But um, yeah, man, I think uh, this this looks so good, and I'm so excited for this. And you you bet your ass we're gonna do a watch club for this this show. Holy crap! Yeah, I, I think that there's just so much in this trailer that lends itself to what we've already visually seen throughout. Uh, this the, the MCU over the last year that just draws so many parallels like you brought up mirrors shattering very similar to like time and how we've seen the multiverse breaking like shattering glass and I feel like what we're going to see is the life of this character lived in different times almost mm-hmm. like across different periods and I think if they lean into that period piece aspect to really kind of enrich in it almost give more of what eternals had but didn't have enough of i think it was a big argument right so you're a little bit more of that justin are you theorizing that we could be seeing parts of this series that we think is in our time but then turns out to be maybe like in the 80s and then another 
version of it's actually taking place. Like, are you saying we're dealing with, like, is this some Christopher I, I, Nolan stuff going on? Like, what are well, we doing I'm saying, here? I'm saying, like, it would be interesting if that's how they go that route because yeah. okay, we don't have our Marvel expert here, but I'm pretty sure with Moon Knight's sort of disorder, it is about different people across different times, right? Wow. And or multiverses. Is, but yeah. that's I think that's what they're hinting at. They're making Sick. it relative for the story that they're that they're telling. And again, bringing in the Wanda references, like I'm wondering how the Dark Hold is going to really come into this 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 sort of world, right? Yeah. And if Wanda is really to your point, you know, you keep saying it, Wanda is going to become the bad guy. I wonder yeah. if if you know she does become the bad guy, and Blade has to bring together a group of people that are going to potentially bring her back, right? So cool, so cool. Who knows? Do you think we do you think we do see I mean, you mentioned Dane Whitman. Do you think we do see Blade as well in this? Uh, in this, it, it maybe the reveal of Blade through this series, maybe at the end. Is it going to be a Mephisto situation where everyone's like, he's got to be there, and then he doesn't show up? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Uh, March 30th, again, 2022. I am so, so amped. I'm going to watch, as soon as this podcast ends, I'm going to watch that trailer again, and then I can't wait for all the breakdowns uh, as well to kind of get some more context. Uh, and, of course, uh, again, we will be doing a watch club for that show. I think, is that going to be the next watch club that we do, or we'll, we'll have, have to, to wait, wait and see? And see. Okay, okay. Interesting. Well, that's it. We hope you enjoyed this week in Geek. Uh, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or any of the content we cover here, well, uh, the juice himself, Justin, is going to let you know how you can reach us. Yo, juice. Uh, yeah, so you can reach us at uh, wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I feel like we need to do like a video version of this podcast because right now, especially when he, when Justin's got that accent, he's got like the striped Adidas like like mafia oh, yeah, style jacket on the yeah, bro I look all the way up to right. Like, but, but, then, but dude, when you when you have it unzipped like that, and then you've got he's got like this tight pattern shirt underneath it looks like he's just tatted up all up the chest i was like who is this guy uh he's definitely he's the juice um but uh listen keep in touch because we've got so much great content coming at you this year in 2022 including our watch club every week for the book of boba fett continuing on uh hoping that it gets a little bit better than the, the first three episodes uh as well as our recent geek back episode uh where we looked back at 2021 and gave our picks for our favorite movies and shows of 2021 if you if you are just listening to this and you want to maybe an understanding of sort of who we are, our tastes, um, and all of the really cool things that we got to do in 2021, I highly recommend that you listen to that episode. That was such a, a fun one to do. Yeah, it was great. That was a great yeah, episode. Man. Um, cool. Awesome. So we are geek centric and you can be too, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek centric. And if you want to tune in live and keep the conversation going while watching me do some gaming or opening up Pokemon cards, we're playing Mario party. Uh, you can, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash Nate plays games and follow me on Instagram at Nate plays games to see when I'm going live. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. And as we say, Love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace.